From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, endophthalmitis in southern India. What's different? What's the same? Uh, during the study period, which was for the two years, 2002 to 2003, there were 36,000 attempts to cataract surgeries performed. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Lalitha declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. You can now get Category 1 CME credit for listening to As Seen From Here. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the link marked CME. For right now, you'll need to print the quizzes out and mail them in. We hope to have electronic versions of the quiz available by the end of this year. Big news for iTunes users. You can now get As Seen From Here through iTunes. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the iTunes Users link. Then click the subscribe button and you're done. The Aravind Eye Hospital is one of the largest eye hospitals in the world in one of the largest cities in the world, Madurai, in Tamil Nadu, India. The volume of cataract surgery is staggering, and the hospital draws from villages and farms great distances from Madurai. Postoperatively, patients return to environments in which they are exposed to soil saprophytes without the benefit of fourth-generation fluoroquinolones. So the rate of endophthalmitis is quite high, right? Wrong. Prajna Lalitha has just published results of a study of endophthalmitis cases at Aravind. Her findings should be instructive to all of us who perform cataract surgery. I asked Dr. Lalitha to describe the Aravind. So we are celebrating our 30th year from the time of uh, Aravind Hospital was founded. Uh, we are main focus is on like community ophthalmology and to eradicate uh, cataracts from India. And, f- and our main focus is on uh, the free patients, as we call them, who we uh, do the cataract surgeries at a very, very affordable level. So our main focus is on trying to do volumes with the best quality. So we make our money by, uh, you know, by the quali- uh, quantities we do and still maintaining the same kind of quality. On an average, I could just tell you off my head, which I uh, think is, we have a two different sections, like a paying section and a free section. So free section, we have all these camps. You must be aware of these outreach camps where we go to the community, collect the patients and come back. So those kind of patients, we would do about uh, an average of 250 patients per day, cataract surgery. And in the patients who are willing to pay, they get a little bit better uh, uh, room facilities. That we would do at least about 80 to 100 per day. And our outpatients, for every all the specialties, everything put together, it's on an average of 800 to 1,000 per day. You know, uh, general ophthalmology, all the specialties, retina, glaucoma, everything. And the surgeries which I'm telling you is only cataract surgeries. So then, then each specialty has got its own um, surgery. So surgery on specialties go, go every day. Each specialty works. So every day, retina has its stator, glaucoma has its stator. Do I have it properly that Aravind manufactures its own intraocular lenses? Lenses. Yeah, actually, that's a department called Oro Lab. And it doesn't exactly come under Aravind. It's an independent facility by itself. It's a manufacturing unit. Uh, and it's, um, it's more like a non-profit organization kind of thing. Although because it was the idea was from the same person, our founder whose name is Dr. Venkataswamy, and we call him Dr. V for short. 
that's what most of the foreigners had addressed him since venkata swami is a very big name so he was the founder and he is the strength behind this whole organization so when he started um, he retired from government service and when he wanted to do this community service uh the main hindrance to him was the uh, price of the lenses which were coming from abroad so so he felt the only way everybody could afford cataract surgery was to start manufacturing lenses so then he got the technology from a few people who were like minded like him so they uh, transferred the technology then they started manufacturing lenses and that facility is on the same uh, road as the hospital just across the road it's in a separate building uh and now they've also gone out, gone into uh, manufacturing sutures and then they started manufacturing a few commonly used ophthalmic drugs also and the latest um, uh now the very uh, distinct problem is diabetic retinopathy so diabetic retinopathy in india is supposed to in another few years is supposed to be the leading cause of diabetic retinopathy so uh, so the oral lab has started man uh, producing their own lasers also really wow yeah because then another this thing is the cost so if you the cost of a green laser if you buy it from any uh, foreign companies enormous and most of the general practitioners won't be able to afford it and since everybody has to know how to do lasers and has to own a laser if uh, because the problem of that retinopathy is really going to increase so that's the latest in the oral lab side so yeah we do manufacture our own lenses and now they were going into all these newer kind of lenses also the multifocals and um i think right now they are on a trial of that uh, that multifocal lens can you tell me what the national survey on blindness and visual outcome after cataract surgery is yeah so actually the national survey there was um, the the latest was uh, uh, i think must be a few years old actually it's uh, before 2000 i think yeah actually the survey was concentrating on um, uh, uh because recently uh, i know about arvind there's an arvind comprehensive eye survey which is conducted in tamil nadu in two districts of tamil nadu and there is another survey which is conducted in andhra pradesh by the lv prasad eye institute that is also an andhra pradesh eye survey so this survey both both the surveys are very similar it's like all your other uh, blue mountain survey and all no which concentrates on all aspects of ophthalmology pr- producing blindness so the first is glaucoma i'm sorry cataract uh, glaucoma uh, then even uh, right up to childhood blindness so then this was this has actually been published in a series of papers from 2002 and 2003 there were nearly 20 publications out of this arvin comprehensive eye survey uh, so before they used to concentrate only on cataract and and how much blindness cataract was causing but now they were uh, this this survey for the past 5 years has taken into all aspects refractive errors childhood blindness corneal traumas everything they've taken into uh, account so those surveys are available i mean it's i'm sorry it's it's been published the results let's talk now about your paper on uh, post cataract and ophthalmitis let me ask you first to describe the design of this study um yeah actually um let me tell you how the study came about because initially uh, when uh, people uh, hear that we do uh, so many quantities of uh, surgeries you know that we do thousands of surgeries 100000 per year and all that so immediately what comes into their mind is where the quality is maintained 
so so that was the question um, everybody used to ask when they hear these numbers so quality of cataract surgery obviously you have so many measurements and your infection is definitely one of the qualities of uh, surgery other than all your other complications and visual outcome and all that so uh, so that gave us the idea to work on uh, uh, this uh, this paper so that we can establish our incidence that was the main priority i mean uh, the the main aim of the paper so when working on uh, uh, the nice joint only in 2002 after i did my um, residency so i've been here only for the past 3 4 years uh, so so then i uh, wanted to do a prospective study then it is going to take me quite some time so retrospective study so i thought that the best design was to do a retrospective study so we went back traced uh, did all the uh, medical record survey for the past 2 uh, years and uh, and that was the figures we came up with so basically it was a retrospective uh, study during this 2 year study period how many cataract surgeries were performed uh, during the study period which was for the 2 years 2002 2003 there were 36072 cataract surgeries performed 36000 can i just add a small uh, thing here because this number suppose if you had to go to our website and check for the year 2002 and 2003 you might not come up with the same number and that's because i told you we have this two different sections paying section and free section and so this number reflects only the cataract surgeries which were done in the paying theater and why we did this was because follow up was much better in this um, category of patients and our main aim was to uh, come up with uh, at least 30000 since we expected the incidence to be uh, less than 0.01 so we wanted at least Thirty thousand to get a, a good volume of uh, numbers to study our incidence. So we didn't take the num the surgeries done in the free section because uh, normally the three months follow up is not available for those patients. They just come for one month follow up and when everything is fine, then they don't come back after that. So unless maybe if they develop the complication. So we just assume that they've not done. But since uh, it would have been a uh, little bit too much to assume. Uh, we just ignore uh, we didn't take those uh, free sections into account how many of these cataract surgeries were uh, fake uh, the majority are uh, fake 22000 and uh, 294 in your paper you uh, say that the follow up was very very good that there were very few patients lost to follow up oh, follow up Yeah 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 follow up actually um, yeah we have a very very good follow up we have uh, like 99% follow up and uh, normally the the majority of this 36072 uh, what i'm saying is uh, would be in and around uh, madurai say around about um, uh, uh, 2 200 kilometers radius but we do have a few patients who come from other states uh, but they normally because of the conference they have in the hospital or or because of some reason they they would like to have at least uh, one or two follow ups after their surgery so one month follow up is 99% and then the three months follow up is at least 80 85% we have a three month follow up and after six months only then they go back to their own local uh, physicians now what sort of wounds were employed in the cataract surgery so in this particular paper none of there were just two cases which were done by uh, clear corneal and uh, but the rest all were um, were, were, were small incisions uh, limbal wounds 
And since we didn't use any foldable lenses and since all the lenses were uh, rigid 6mm uh, uh, three-piece lenses, so during the time of um, inserting the lens, the wound was extended, even though it was a fake emulsification. For an ECC, it was a routine 8mm limbal incision uh, for an extracapsular cataract extraction. And uh, we have this in-between surgery known as um, that uh, SICS, what we call small incision cataract surgery with a self-sealing wound. I think you must be familiar with that uh, small incision cataract surgery. Yeah, so, so there are a few cases which had been done by that. What sort of pre- and post-operative medications were typically given to the patients? Uh, pre-operative medications, uh, now we're using uh, ofloxin eye drops. So ofloxin eye drops, uh, depending on when the patient uh, comes in, like either it's the afternoon, the day before, or the, it's, you know, normally it starts by the like 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock. So from 1 o'clock in the afternoon till the next day morning, uh, like once in two hours, that will be about six times to eight times a day they're given ofloxin eye drops uh, with, the, with the dilating drops and all that. So that's the only preoperative prophylaxis we take. And on the table, uh, the povidone iodine is uh, standard, povidone iodine, uh, 5% eye drops on the eye and then uh, uh, prepping with um, povidone iodine drops. So we don't do any eyelash clipping or other uh, things. Another very important thing we do is uh, check for the patency of the duct because most of our patients, we find the, I don't know, because the Indian population or what, but block duct is very, very common in our patients. Yeah, nasolacrimal ducts is yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, duct, yeah. So, so that's, that's one thing we make sure that we really check properly whether they, they have a patent um, nasolacrimal duct. Mm. So other than that, it's, it's uh, six to eight times of ofloxin eye drops the day before surgery. And, and on the table, it's uh, poidon iodine drops. And then the skin is, uh, the, the eyelashes and the eye, um, eyebrows and the skin around the eyes are uh, uh, prepped with poidon iodine. And then what are the medications that are typically given post-operatively to the patients? Yeah, yeah post-operatively, um, no, actually we give medications slightly longer than what is normally uh, done, I think, in the States or something. So we give ofloxin um, antibiotic along with uh, uh, dexamethasone. That is uh, Occupol D. We have one uh, company, it's, it's Alabgan only, I think. So steroids plus antibiotic combination and um, cyclopent. So the first for the first week, so we, we do this for four weeks now. So the first week they have to use it for eight times a day. Then the next week they use it six times, then four times, and gradually we taper it. Then they come back after four weeks. When they come back to us, they are all normally on four times a day steroids plus antibiotic combination. Then we tell them to taper it for another two weeks period, like three times a day, two times a day, then one time a day, either for five days, five, five days each for another two weeks, 15 days they can stop all their medication. Then after that, maybe we would give a kettler, suppose if someone's, if that is depending on the physician's decision and the patient's, if they're complaining of some, some mild CME, like cystoid macular edema is there or some irritation is there. So kettler may be given, kettler is that... Um, Non-steroidal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's given for another uh, two weeks maybe. So basically it's steroid, antibiotic and cyclopin for four to six weeks. Post-operatively. How was endophthalmitis defined for the purpose of this study? Uh, endophthalmitis was, uh, we took only acute endophthalmitis. So actually, basically, we tried to follow the EVS guidelines, although we had slight little bit deviations. So basically, we just took the cutoff as uh, six weeks. 
so anything occurring within six weeks of cataract surgery, we 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 we, we uh, called it acute endophthalmitis, and we took those cases. And uh, one is going by the patient's symptoms of pain, redness, and a decreased vision, but mainly it was um, um, ophthalmic findings of seeing either hypoprion or severe antechamber reaction, plus vitreous exudates. And since the, most of the cases in this series were due to nocardia, uh, as soon as we saw any case with the, you know, the typical exudative kind of thing in the, either in the cornea or in the anterior segment, or we saw these nice fluffy balls on the iris, even before a culture was made, like the clinicians are so tuned to it, they do a presumptive diagnosis of nocardia and ophthalmitis. So the, so the diagnosis was uh, mostly on the clinical, because nocardia sometimes even they can, they can present even not much pain, but definitely decreased vision, redness would be there. Can you tell me what your findings were, what the results uh, of, your, of your study were? So we found a total of uh, 19 cases out of this total, 36,072 cataract surgeries, there were 19 cases who developed endophthalmitis within the six weeks period following cataract surgery. And um, out of that, um, the culture, only 10 were culture positive, which was like 52%. So we had given a few reasons for, the, for the, why there was a less culture positivity. But among the 10 which were culture positive, six were due to nocardia. Uh, and again, there is a lot of speculation as to from usually nocardia is supposed to be soil saprophyte and it's supposed to uh, come from uh, contamination from the outside environment. But uh, we could uh, definitely rule out uh, contamination from the operating sources like your saline or uh, lenses and, and those kind of things because if that had been the source, then we would have expected to see a cluster of infections. You know, like all patients who got operated the same day would have got infection. But ours was spread out uh, over uh, different months and dif at different days people developed infection. It was just one case a month, then the next case would appear after another three months, who was operated by an entirely different surgeon, different room, different things. And, and plus we've also uh, tested and we, and we keep testing them routinely, testing all our, uh, we do a normal microbiological surveillance of our whole operating system. In, including the operating room air, all, all the staff, the, the saline also, because normally in uh, India the saline quality is not very up to the standards. So every batch of saline we buy, we, we do microbiological testing on them. So another source of this organism would, would uh, the next source which we are trying to uh, pinpoint is from the patients. Most of these patients are from villages and from rural areas. So they might have gone back to their occupation or to their fields or something and got the infection from there. That's the only possible source of this. So actually we have, uh, and then we find this infection at typical periods of the year. We don't find them throughout the year. Like we find them when there is rainy season and more of a windy season in India, that's from uh, July to September. Uh, then uh, July to September we see a slight increase in infection due to these organisms. Although it's, um, and we have been seeing it for the past uh, few years, our senior surgeons are very familiar with that kind of um, picture. Um, although it's not very, um, uh, no, it's not documented very exactly, uh, but by clinical experience, they feel it's the windy season which is causing more of this um, infection. Then the next uh, few organisms like uh, the staph, Staphylococcus epidermidis, and um, uh, other, other uh, like uh, Streptococcus, so those might have been from the patient's own um, eye. 
but generally the the outcome due to nocardia is really bad because the patients also they present to us only after of 15 days that's an average they present 15 days to 30 days and when they already come the cornea is terribly involved so that's the very characteristic feature we see in these nocardia postoperative endophthalmitis because of the extensive corneal involvement only the pro, the outcome is also very bad so because of the very severe corneal edema even vitrectomy and and uh, and uh, intravitreal antibiotics uh, we normally give but the core vitrectomy is not possible because the media is so bad and the cornea is like on the point of swelling when we see them and this exudates take very long to resolve all these big big uh, thick exudates which are there in anterior segment even if the eye doesn't go in for tissue before that time the exudates take at least 3 months minimum uh, to fully clear up and we've just had one or two cases which have really cleared up but most of the cases going for tissue so fast with the organisms that that you that you did culture can you tell me uh, generally what the drug sensitivities were uh the um, actually the nocardia is unique in the sense in vitro it shows a lot of uh, sensitivity it's it's definitely sensitive to uh, amicacin is the commonly sensitive uh, uh, antibiotic to all the isolates of nocardia amicacin is uniformly sensitive and uh, some species are sensitive to fluoroquinolones like ciprofloxacin ofloxacin whereas some isolates might be resistant to <coughs> cipro so without uh, i mean amicacin is uh, commonly sensitive to all the isolates of nocardia some of the other pathogens that you isolated were streptococcus and coag negative staph staph yeah um yeah what what were the sensitivities like for for these organisms now uh, the other organisms were all all they were sensitive to all the antibiotics we normally test them against that is um, starting from all the staphs were sensitive to vancomycin uh, and cefazolin uh, ciprofloxacin ofloxacin then we have a few other antibiotics like norflox gentamicin that is older antibiotics i don't think you would have been familiar with them but uh, all the other isolates were sensitive to the nine antibiotics we normally test it's it's funny uh, i i i am struck by the difference between your findings and those of recent papers out of wills and out of the australia study that the incidence of endophthalmitis that you demonstrated is very similar uh although the primary pathogen is is different but that the chief difference is in the antibiotic sensitivity that your organisms were much more sensitive uh than those of the um of the of the other two big studies from from this year but that that your that your incidence wasn't wasn't any higher yeah it's it's striking to uh, me that with a prophylactic regimen and with a with a post operative standard therapies that differ uh, in in these three places in you know Australia in Philadelphia and in Madurai that that the incidence for endophthalmitis was all very very similar but that the primary difference was in the sensitivity to antibiotics uh, yeah Uh, actually the uh, the uh, if if we uh, normally test for the um, the common conjunctival isolates uh, if we test them for the antibiotic sensitivities 
unless like that this is a personal observation which has not been published anywhere what we normally find is patients who are on chronic medications like glaucoma patients or diabetic patients only their isolates we find has a high level of resistance whereas most of the uh, isolates from conjunctiva are uh, are very sensitive to other uh, commonly used antibodies because we've just done a, a mic testing of the of the five fluoroquinolones against conjunctival isolates and we find most of the gram in fact all the gram positives were sensitive to all the five fluoroquinolones including moxigati and even the older quinolones it's only the gram negatives which slightly show uh, some resistance especially to ciprofloxacin uh, so that's that's our observation here so that's why um, actually uh, uh, this is off i mean after this thing record or whatever you can this thing because of kefona keratitis cases the first antibiotics we still use is gentamicin because gentamicin we find it's very uh, effective in um, vitro and in vivo also so fortified gentamicin uh, our ophthalmologists still believe gentamicin is still a very good drug so we don't see that much resistance here to ocular isolates but but again that depends on which uh, patient your uh, few selective patients uh, show some very very highly resistant um, isolates but but in the majority i would say um, are we still see a good sensitivity now what prognostic factors did you identify in this study yeah the prognostic factors uh, again as i said the first was the Uh, technique of cataract surgery, which we found that ECC was uh, slight had a, a slightly higher risk than um, FACO. So surgical technique-wise, ECC was showed a worse prognosis. But the most uh, important uh, prognostic factor was the organism, which is isolated. That was nocardia. So nocardia was associated with a, a worse prognosis compared to the other organisms. And um, between culture positive and culture negative, also we didn't see. Um, much of a difference but those the main prognostic factors were the ecc and the nocardia and in um, uh, the age of the patient also when we took only the culture positive cases we found that the age of the patient was another uh, important prognostic factor did the presence of diabetes uh, uh, serve as a as a risk factor too uh, no the presence of diabetes uh, we didn't find it as a, as a as a bad prognostic factor what what are your recommendations then for clinicians for cataract surgeons i can talk from an um, indian uh, perspective from the indian perspective uh, what i would uh, really uh, this thing is to um, uh, because we are an institute based practice which we might ha- so we might have slightly different practices but for a general uh, practitioner in a private practice setup or something the most important um, point to see is the sterilization aspects because as i told you uh, we have to be so vigilant about um, uh, all our uh, sterilization protocols since we don't have so many disposables as as in the other countries and because of saline and and most of the uh, items which we assume to be supplied to us in a sterile way should always you know should guard against and because recently also i i heard a report of uh, tripan blue which you use for capsular excess so there was one doctor who had a source of infection from that tripan blue in which we isolated pseudomonas so the most important uh, this thing for an indian practitioner is the sterilization aspects so sterilization is very very important 
washing, autoclave, all all your uh, sterilization, which might, which is definitely the most important cause of any infection, and the rest and all is only um, like the patient aspect or the doctor's aspect, which I feel is should definitely be looked into, but not with as much uh, vigilance as uh, sterilization protocols. Yeah, the, the, no, the only thing I would add is uh, we are doing this as an ongoing uh, uh, study now. So we've started it in 2000 and, um, 2004, beginning we've started an ongoing five-year surveillance. And since we have about five other centers within the state of Tamil Nadu, uh, five other uh, Aravinda hospitals in different states, uh, so we would come up with um, a much bigger, um, much bigger volumes of cataract uh, operations, and definitely like doing it on a prospective basis is much more um, useful. So right now, I would like to add that we are doing a prospective study on uh, postoperative endophthalmitis surveillance, which not only in our center but it's a, it's like a multi-center. Dr. Lalita, uh, thank you very, very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you for these opportunities also. It has been equally good for me. Prajna Lalita is head of the Department of Microbiology at the Aravind Eye Hospital in Madurai in Tamil Nadu, India. Her paper, Post-Cataract Endophthalmitis in South India, Incidents and Outcome, appears in the November 2005 issue of Ophthalmology. Last month, I podcast a one-minute video promo. It's still available through iTunes. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, is about to make a great leap forward. As seen from here is supplementing the existing audio podcast with a video podcast. I have some great surgical programs lined up, and we'll start with bimanual laser phacolysis. Those of you lucky enough to have one of the new video iPods will find the clarity of the programs to be excellent. Those of you who don't can still watch the video programs on iTunes, version 6 and above, and on QuickTime, both of which are free downloads. I also invite you, you personally, to submit surgical video that you feel is illustrative of a particular surgical point. Let's share. Ask questions of Dr. Lalitha or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558. 8275 or Skype MD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.